Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Today, we have in store another Q&A that we're going to hop into here in just a second on a lot of questions regarding your nutrition. So before we do that, I just want to put out a quick reminder for you that if you have any particular questions in your own situation with something that you might be struggling with in your own training, your own nutrition, your own quest to build a better body composition, there's always a link below lostandlifting.com backslash podcast that will direct you directly to my inbox where you can shoot me a message letting me know exactly where you're at, asking the exact question that you have in detail, and I'll personally reach back out to you and help you diagnose the problem and help you figure out the next steps that you need to continue making the progress that you want to. And if that question is a question that's going to help a lot of other people that listen to the show as well, I may potentially bring that on and answer it in depth on Lost and Lifting Talk as well. So remember that that is always there for you and always available. So don't feel shy. Remember, it's an open invitation. Come into my inbox, ask me your questions, and let me help you. And number two is if you guys are finding value from the show, if you're enjoying the new episodes being back, I would really appreciate it if you could go down below and leave the show a rating and review on iTunes. That's the only way for us to be able to grow is to get more reviews. So if you can leave it a star rating, if you can take a little bit of extra time, leave it a written review, I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Again, I appreciate all of you who keep doing that because every time that I ask, I get more and more. So like I said, if you are finding value here, it would just really help us to be able to to continue putting a lot of effort into creating this content to help you more and more in your journey. So that is all of the announcements. Let's just hop into the questions. Question number one, how many grams of protein should we eat per day? Very common question that comes with a very common answer that I would honestly say leaves people in bad situations because whenever we give such a generic answer, which is one gram per pound of body weight, we have to remember that everybody is in such different situations and different parts of their journey that just telling somebody to eat one gram of protein for every pound of body weight can be very misleading. And let me give you an example of this. So when I open, when I owned the gym just last year, honestly, when I was living back in Idaho, I had a member of the gym come up and start asking me some questions about nutrition. And we started talking about how much protein he's eating per day and what he's trying to do with his diet in terms of cutting back carbs. And he has this goal of losing body fat and he weighed around 300 pounds. And when we started talking about his protein intake, he started telling me that he was eating one gram of protein per pound of body weight, which would be 300 grams of protein. When this guy realistically has 80 or so pounds to lose to be at a healthy state. And so he, where he got this information to eat that one gram of protein per pound of body weight was from the person at the supplement shop selling him the protein. And for them, 
makes a whole lot of sense to tell you to eat one gram of protein per pound of body weight because it simply means that he's going to have to eat more protein, which is going to mean that he needs more protein shakes. This guy was eating or drinking like three protein scoops per day just to hit those numbers, and he was feeling digestive-wise very slow, very groggy because that's a lot of protein, which is going to really slow down your digestive system which is great in some aspects because it's going to allow you to stay fuller for longer. But if it's causing digestive issues, a lot of bloat, and you're not feeling good, well, then that's not a very smart approach, right? And so my general rule of thumb when it comes to prescribing a specific amount of protein for somebody to eat per day, I take a few things into account. First and foremost, I take into account, okay, how much body fat does this person actually have to lose? Are they in a position where they've got 20, 30, 40, 50 plus pounds to lose? And if that's the case, I am by no means prescribing one gram of protein per pound of body weight. I'm prescribing closer to around one gram of protein per pound of their goal body weight. And that's going to have them much closer to one gram of protein per pound of their lean body mass. And that's really all the protein that we need is to, to support lean body mass at the end of the day. And so that's going to be plenty for that individual. So don't listen to the, the whole one gram of per protein per pound of body weight generic answer because it's not for everybody. But now if you're a leaner individual, let's say you're getting ready for a photo shoot or you've been training for a long time and you're just trying to go through a cut that you've got maybe 10, 15 pounds to drop to get into really, really good condition. Well, then you're in a position to where you're a lot leaner and you're a lot more susceptible to potentially losing muscle in a calorie deficit because you're already pretty lean. So here I would look at having your protein level be a lot closer to one gram of protein per pound of body weight or even potentially maybe we would go one gram of protein or 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight because this is going to put you in a position to where you're getting a little bit more protein that's going to help support lean muscle tissue that's going to help support recovery that's going to help keep you a little bit fuller during the diet because you're going to be on lower calories um, with lower body fat levels um, so you're going to be a little bit hungrier your hormones have a little bit better of a chance of your hunger hormones of spiking up so hunger is going to be higher so in this situation it does make a little bit more sense to maybe eat a little bit more protein because it's going to help you retain lean muscle tissue and it might help with satiety as well. And so, like I said, everything is very, very dependent upon the individual. But the general rule of thumb here for me when prescribing protein for a client is how much weight do they have to lose? How experienced are they? <clears throat> Excuse me. How much muscle do they have on their frame? And if they're trying to lose the last 10 to 15 pounds to be in really, really good shape, I'm pushing more for around 1 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And if they have a good amount of weight to lose, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus pounds, then I'm aiming closer to eat around one gram of protein per pound of their goal body weight. And both of those are going to be better prescriptions rather than just the generic answer of one gram of protein per pound of body weight for all. And one last thing I'll touch on here really quickly is that when I'm working with clients and I'm prescribing a specific amount of protein, I'm never necessarily prescribing an exact number. I'm working a lot more in ranges. I do this when I'm giving somebody a calorie prescription. I'm giving somebody a protein prescription. I'm never saying you have to eat, let's say, 2,200 calories per day, and you have to hit exactly 150 grams of protein. What we would do there is we would more so prescribe it as, okay, I want you to eat around 2,100 to 2,200 calories per day, and I want you to aim between 140 to 160 grams of protein per day. Because again, when you're tracking your food intake, what you're consuming compared to what you're actually tracking, even if you're weighing it out perfectly, 
all food is made up a little bit different. There's going to be some discrepancy in terms of what you're tracking compared to what you're eating, regardless of how precise that you are. And so trying to get precise with numbers doesn't mean you're truly eating that exact number. We're just trying to be in the ballpark and be as close as possible. And so just making sure that we're using ranges is makes it a lot less stressful on you because you know you just have these ranges to hit and uh, makes it a little bit less tedious. So if you're focusing on a protein goal, I wouldn't necessarily be going for an exact number. I would go plus or 10, plus or minus 10 from whatever that goal is for you. So like, let's say if you need to hit 150 grams of protein, that's where your prescription is at. I would do a plus or minus 10. So I would give you the range of 140 to 160 grams of protein rather than you having to think that you have to be right on that exact number. Because realistically, even if you do hit that exact number, you aren't actually really hitting that exact number because two pieces of steak that both weigh the same amount, they're both going to be made up a little bit differently. One might have a little bit more protein than the other, but my fitness pal isn't going to tell you that. At the end of the day, we're playing the, the game of averages when it comes to tracking. Nothing's ever as precise as we think it is. So don't get in that unhealthy relationship of thinking that you have to be perfect with what you're tracking compared to what you're consuming because it's never going to be right on the dot. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't weigh out your foods, that you shouldn't try to be as precise as possible. It just means no matter how how precise you try to be, there's still going to be some discrepancy there regardless. And so just do your best, give yourself ranges, weigh out your foods, be consistent. And those law of averages over the long term will play themselves out and, um, and you'll pick up on those long-term trends and you'll make the progress that you're supposed to. But what I'm saying is don't get too caught up on the exact numbers. If you play off of ranges, it makes it a whole lot easier. Question numero dos. If I'm eating enough protein, weight training, and not feeling hungry, but I'm only eating 1,300 calories, do you think that I should eat more? I weigh 158 pounds, I'm a female, and I weigh five, or, and my height is five foot seven inches. Would love your input. Another really good question, and this is another thing that floats around social media a lot, right, is there will be specific coaches and people writing content that will say, you should never eat a thousand calories. You should never eat 1100 calories. You should never eat 1200, 1300 calories. That's not enough food. And for the majority of people out there, I would 100% agree. I would say that most people are going to be able to eat more food to drop body weight than 1200, 1300 calories. But in all of the years that I have worked with people and and experienced a lot of different metabolisms and seen a lot of the different trends with different types of people's metabolisms and, and whatnot. When I very first got into coaching, I guess I'll start here instead. I'm going to kind of flip modes here for just a second to, to get to where I'm getting. When I very first started coaching, I was always extremely nervous of getting aggressive with somebody's diet to help them drop body fat. Probably so conservative that I was doing a lot of the clients a disservice because I was more worried about keeping their metabolism healthy and not making them eat too little of food than I was them actually creating the result that they wanted in a timely manner. So I would end up with people that were a little bit frustrated with me just because progress didn't happen quite as quickly as they wanted it to. But what I started to learn, the more and more educated that I got, is that there's this fine line there that we have to walk. 
right? And people have different types of personalities. Some people will thrive off of creating progress a little bit faster, and some people will thrive off of creating the progress a little bit slower, but being able to eat more food. So first, you have to know the type of person that you are, and you have to take into account the sustainability metric. And again, sustainability doesn't mean going as slow as possible, but it most certainly doesn't mean going as quickly as possible either. I think sustainability is very contextual to the individual who we're talking about sustainability with. If we're trying to go super slow with somebody, but they want to see progress happen faster and they don't see progress happen quite as quickly as they would like to, and that frustrates them and steers them to get off track, well, then that's not sustainable. If let's say we try to go super fast with somebody and their hunger levels are spiked through the air and they're losing weight at a really quick rate, but they can't stay consistent at it because they're saying they're getting so hungry that they get off track, well, that's not sustainable. There's a lot of different ways that you can look at this, right? So first, when I'm prescribing a caloric intake for somebody, first and foremost, we're always starting around a maintenance level of calories just so that we can get a really good understanding of where your metabolism is sitting, where your biofeedback is coming back, all that kind of stuff that matters. But then we're really taking into account personality traits. Do you want to see progress a little bit quicker? Are you willing to sacrifice a little bit to eat less food to drop weight at a quicker rate? Or do you feel like you're the type of person that's going to be much better off going at a little bit of a slower pace? eating a little bit more food, but that's going to help you be consistent for a whole lot longer. And then you start to make your decisions based off of that. But with that said, I do see a lot of people who start with calories way too low without making that decision. They just think that they have to start with calories super low to see progress. And that's not the case. You have to start with your indiv- or in your with your personality. And then from there, you start making decisions on prescriptions for people on how aggressive that you want to get. And so to bring that back to your question about should you eat more than you are now at 1,300 calories at 158 pounds where you weigh five foot seven and you're a lady, honestly, that wouldn't be the prescription that I would most likely start you out at. Because it is aggressive, saying you're, you're training at least three times per week, you're getting in at least six to 8,000 steps per day, a 1,300-calorie diet is pretty low and you should be losing at a pretty quick rate. But what I'll say is you need to look at your hunger levels, you need to look at the sustainability factor of it, and if you feel like that's something that you can manage and you're making really good progress and you have a plan to come out of that deficit and get back up to a maintenance level of calories through a proper reverse diet then you're probably in an okay position. It just doesn't mean that you can stay at that 1,300 calories for a long time. The more aggressive that you get with the diet, generally the the less duration you want that diet to be. You want it to be for a shorter period of time because your metabolism is going to take a bit of a hit. Your biofeedback is going to take a bit of a hit. You're not going to feel as well, and you're going to be a whole lot more restricted, so that's got to be kind of an in-and-out process. And if that's what you're trying to do, then I would say go with it and be aggressive. But if you're feeling overly hungry, if it's feeling very unsustainable, if you are losing weight but that hunger is high, um, you feel overly restricted and it doesn't feel like something you can keep up for very long and you know that you've got a long road ahead of you in terms of the amount of fat you want to lose, then I would look to up your caloric intake a little bit, probably go closer to 1,500, 1,600 calories potentially and just see how you start to respond there. You might lose at a little bit of a slower pace, but if it feels a whole lot better and you feel less hungry, less restricted, and it's something you can stick with for a longer period of time, well, then that makes sense. But still, at the end of the day, even if you're doing that, 
You still have to have a goal to reverse diet and get back up to a maintenance level of calories eventually. But the little bit of higher calories that you're eating with the smaller deficit, generally the longer you can play that deficit out, generally the more aggressive that you get with that deficit and drop calories lower, the less time you're going to be able to stay, stay there just because like I said, hunger is going to get higher. Biofeedback is going to get negative a lot quicker. Um, and if you stay there, you can end up damaging your metabolism. Not necessarily, I don't like saying damage your metabolism, but that's basically what it is. You're just going to slow your metabolic rate down um, due to not giving your body a sufficient amount of food, if that makes sense. And so answer those two questions for yourself, and that answers your question for you. And so again, there's never like, a specific amount of calories that you shouldn't eat. It's all very context dependent. That's why I don't like it when people throw out these broad statements of you should never eat this amount or, or you should only eat a select amount of, or you should eat one gram of protein per pound of body weight. It's all very contextual to the individual and that can do a lot more harm than good. So yeah, hopefully that helps you. Let's move on to the next question. What is your take on weighing yourself during a reverse diet? Should I do it every day? Should I do it once per week and why? So if you guys have listened along to the podcast for a good amount of time, you listen to a lot of the episodes, you know that I'm a big proponent of weighing yourself every single day. And I know the nuance that can come with that. I know that that can sound very stressful thinking you need me to weigh myself every single day. And I've explained myself on this a few times, but let me just do it one more time to give you a very good understanding of why I make that recommendation. First and foremost, we understand that the scale can fluctuate up and down a lot every single day. It has nothing to do with how your body looks. It has nothing to do with how much body fat is on your body or you losing and gaining a lot of body fat on a day-to-day -day basis. It has a lot to do with how much sodium you ate the day before, which has you holding water, which that's basically all it comes down to is water. And so the main factors of water are sodium, stress, hormone fluctuations, your digestion, do you still have food in your system, your fatigue from your training, that's another one. There's a lot of different things that are going to have your body hold on to a little bit of water every single day, and then there's going to be days where you flush that water out, and so the scale is going to go up and down. But let's say you're just weighing yourself once per week. Say you weigh yourself on a Monday, you're 153 pounds. Amazing. Well, let's say you come back to weigh yourself the next Monday and it says 153 pounds again and you're thinking, what the hell? But what if you just weighed yourself every single day through the week and you're able to take the average and you realize that the trend for the week was headed down compared to the next week's trend? But maybe you're only taking that one weigh-in, so you got um, a regular day at the 153, but then when you weigh yourself again, you're, the weight's been going down through the week, but you just weighed yourself on a day where your weight spiked a little bit because maybe you're holding a little bit of water. So it says you're weighing the same amount as you did last week and you don't realize that you're making progress because you're not taking the, the averages of each day and turning them into a week-long trend to see which way your, your weight is actually moving. And so now you're frustrated, but really your weight's headed in the right direction. The average and trend are going the way that you want them to go, but you're only seeing one little data point of that and it has you frustrated. And so maybe it ultimately ends up having you quit or else maybe you end up saying, screw this and you get off track because you don't feel like what you were doing was working. When it actually was working, you're just not taking enough data to see those long-term trends play themselves out. So that's why I'll, I'll always say, if you're not gonna weigh yourself 
daily, I definitely don't want you weighing yourself weekly because we don't know what day of the week that we're going to get that weigh in. If it's on a high fluctuation or a low fluctuation, that's not a good sign. So if you're not going to weigh yourself often, I would say to pull that back and only weigh yourself potentially twice per month, every two weeks, because that's going to give enough time for things to move along. But again, then you're not getting enough data, in my opinion, either to be able to make adjustments in a timely manner to be able to make sure you're getting through plateaus at a quicker rate. You're going to have to wait for every two weeks to make any adjustments to anything dependent upon that. And still, you're not seeing that long-term trend. You're going to have to give that months on top of months to really see where the trend's going that way instead of just weighing yourself daily and seeing that trend and learning to not look at each weigh-in as an emotional response, but rather just a data point that you write down. You're not even going to worry about what the hell it says for at least a week. Then you put yourself in an empowerment and you force the scale to start following your actions over the long term rather than still having this emotional stigma with the scale and a bad relationship with the scale. And so I just want to put that out there for you. If you're that type of person and you're weighing yourself weekly and you're not seeing things move in the right direction and then you're getting frustrated, you could be doing everything right and you're just not taking enough data to be able to see the trends and you're shooting yourself in the foot because you don't see what's actually happening. So that would be my very first suggestion. And again, I see a lot of coaches out there that will say, oh, you can weigh yourself once a week or you don't have to weigh yourself at all. Well, then you're just basically ignoring, ignoring an issue that you have or a resistance that you have. And that's not the type of individual that I am. If you have a resistance towards something, let's figure out how we can handle that resistance. Because at the end of the day, if you're resisting towards something, in my mind, that means that that thing that you're resisting is what you should be going after. That's what you should be doing. When you're resisting it, that means it's something that you need to accomplish because you're fearing it. So let's get over those fears and learn to step into it and learn how to approach it from more of a logical perspective so that we can get a better control and manage our emotions so that we're not held back by our emotions, but we can work through them and level up as an individual and fight through our fears. That's how you start to level up as a person. And so I always with clients, with a lot of ladies, I'll, I'll get kickback on weighing themselves and I frame it to them like this and they start doing it. And after we take a month, two months, three months, they end up in a very strong position to where the scale no longer rules them. And it's absolutely amazing to see. They start to see it for what it is, just simply a data point that gives us a long-term trend. And they understand that when my menstrual cycle comes around, when my hormones are fluctuating, yeah, the scale is going to go up a little bit, but if I just continue to force the scale to follow my actions over the long term, it will. And then that empowers them so they realize that their actions are what dictate their outcomes, not just that stupid number on the scale that's going to come back. That's just a data point that that tells the story of the actions that they've been putting in. And so you really have to reframe that. And I know I'm getting off topic a little bit here because we're trying to talk about reverse diets, but I feel like that's very important for you to hear because a lot of people won't frame it to you like that and they let you play into that fear of the scale when really the scale does not determine your progress. It's just one tool to use to gauge your progress over the long term, but that's simply it. So try to keep that in mind. But when it comes to the reverse diet, I would absolutely continue to weigh yourself every single day because you want to see the response. And typically when you start reverse dieting, there's a couple ways I usually see this go. Some people, when we start the reverse diet, they'll just maintain weight as we make an initial bump of 200 to 300 calories as we start to push them back to maintenance level. So first, let me 
let me quickly backtrack. A reverse diet is the diet that you do after the diet, essentially. This is the diet to get you back to a maintenance level of calories in the nutritional periodization scheme to where we go into a deficit to drop body fat. And then once you reach your goal or it's time to come out of that deficit, you reverse calories on a slow basis to get you back up to a maintenance level to reverse some of that metabolic adaptation on the way back up to your maintenance level of calories. Um, And so when it comes to weighing yourself throughout this process, I think it's important. Some people, when you add in the initial bump of the 200 to 300 calories on that first bump, you'll see a little bit of weight gain. But we've got to remember is, okay, my body's just filling out with glycogen. My muscles are filling out with liquid, liquid, which is going to weigh a little bit. I'm going to have more food digestion in my system, which is going to weigh a little bit. I'm going to hold a little bit more water because I'm eating a little bit more sodium. It's going to have you weigh a little bit more. And so there's typically an initial bump, of maybe a pound, two pounds of weight gain in that first initial bump of 200 to 300 calories. But as long as you understand that that's where that's gonna come from, now your bumps afterwards, you don't wanna continue gaining weight unless you're trying to go into a surplus. If you're just starting to stop at your maintenance level of calories, this is where you do continue to weigh yourself and you try to make sure that you're staying at that same weight throughout that process. And if you get to a point where you see that trend of the scale going up, you know you've probably pushed calories a little bit too far throughout that reverse diet and you might be in a surplus. But if you're not weighing yourself, you don't get to see that data so you can't pull back to keep yourself at that maintenance level to stop yourself from gaining any unwanted body fat throughout that process. So I would say that it's very important, yeah, that you should absolutely be weighing yourself throughout the reverse diet just so, again, you can keep getting that data to make sure that the trend of the scale isn't going up. Again, that a first initial bump of calories of the 200 to 300 that you'll make right up front in terms of um, the reverse diet, see a little bit of weight gain. But as you start to add in an additional 50 to 100 calories per week afterwards to get you to the top end of that maintenance range, we shouldn't see you gaining any weight or seeing the scale trend upwards. Um, And if you do see it trend upwards, then you know you've hit a surplus, you need to pull calories back. So the scale during the reverse diet is really the guide to make sure that you're not exceeding your maintenance level of calories and going into a surplus if that's not your goal. So that's why I would tell you to continue to weigh yourself, just because again, it's your guide to make sure that you're not pushing too far. And that is going to wrap up our questions for today's episode. Like I always say, I really do appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening. If you found value from this episode, I would be greatly appreciative if you would take a screenshot, put it on your IG story, and tag me in it at Chaz Spackman. My Instagram handle has changed. Before I was at Lost and Lifting, now I've changed my handle to at Chaz Spackman and actually started a new Lost and Lifting page that's more about the brand um, and all of our clients that are a part of that as well. So both of those links are always down below. You can go follow us there on Instagram, both of those pages. Take a screenshot of this, put it on your story, tag me in it, and then that way I can go ahead and repost it on mine as well as send you a message personally thanking you for doing so. So like I said, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon.